book three part two of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovitch lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book three the first extract from pechorin's diary Taman, part two involuntarily the thought occurred to me that i had heard the same voice the night before i reflected for a moment and when i looked up at the roof again there was no girl to be seen suddenly she darted past me with another song on her lips and snapping her fingers she ran up to the old woman thereupon a quarrel arose between them the old woman grew angry and the girl laughed loudly then i saw my undine running and gambling again she came up to where i was stopped and gazed fixedly into my face as if surprised at my appearance then she turned carelessly away and went quietly towards the harbour but this was not all the whole day she kept hovering around my lodging singing and gambling without a moment's interruption strange creature there was not the slightest sign of insanity in her face on the contrary her eyes which were continually resting upon me were bright and piercing moreover they seemed to be endowed with a certain magnetic power and each time they looked at me they appeared to be expecting a question but i had only to open my lips to speak and away she would run with a sly smile certainly never before had i seen a woman like her she was by no means beautiful but as in other matters i have my own prepossessions on the subject of beauty there was a good deal of breeding in her breeding in women as in horses is a great thing a discovery the credit of which belongs to young france it that is to say breeding not young france is chiefly to be detected in the gait in the hands and feet the nose in particular is of the greatest significance in russia a straight nose is rarer than a small foot my songstress appeared to be not more than eighteen years of age the unusual suppleness of her figure the characteristic and original way she had of inclining her head her long light brown hair the golden sheen of her slightly sunburnt neck and shoulders and especially her straight nose all these held me fascinated although in her sidelong glances i could read a certain wildness and disdain although in her smile there was a certain vagueness yet such is the force of predilections that straight nose of hers drove me crazy i fancied that i had found goethe's mignon that queer creature of his german imagination and indeed there was a good deal of similarity between them the same rapid transitions from the utmost restlessness to complete immobility the same enigmatical speeches the same gambols the same strange songs towards evening i stopped her at the door and entered into the following conversation with her tell me my beauty i asked what were you doing on the roof to-day i was looking to see from what direction the wind was blowing what did you want to know for whence the wind blows comes happiness well were you invoking happiness with your song where there is singing there is also happiness but what if your song were to bring you sorrow well what then where things won't be better they will be worse and from bad to good again is not far and who taught you that song nobody taught me it comes into my head and i sing whoever is to hear it he will hear it and whoever ought not to hear it he will not understand it what is your name my songstress he who baptized me knows and who baptized you how should i know 
what a secretive girl you are but look here i have learned something about you she neither changed countenance nor moved her lips as though my discovery were of no concern to her i have learned that you went to the shore last night and thereupon i very gravely retailed to her all that i had seen thinking that i should embarrass her not a bit of it she burst out laughing heartily you have seen much but no little and what you do know see that you keep it under lock and key but supposing now i was to take it into my head to inform the commandant and here i assumed a very serious not to say stern demeanour she gave a sudden spring began to sing and hid herself like a bird frightened out of a thicket my last words were altogether out of place i had no suspicion then how momentous they were but afterwards i had occasion to rue them as soon as the dusk of evening fell i ordered the cossack to heat the teapot campaign fashion i lighted a candle and sat down by the table smoking my travelling pipe i was just about to finish my second tumbler of tea when suddenly the door creaked and i heard behind me the sound of footsteps and the light rustle of a dress i started and turned round it was she my undine softly and without saying a word she sat down opposite to me and fixed her eyes upon me her glance seemed wondrously tender i know not why it reminded me of one of those glances which in years gone by so despotically played with my life she seemed to be waiting for a question but i kept silence filled with an inexplicable sense of embarrassment mental agitation was evinced by the dull pallor which overspread her countenance her hand which i noticed was trembling slightly moved aimlessly about the table at one time her breast heaved and at another she seemed to be holding her breath this little comedy was beginning to pall upon me and i was about to break the silence in a most prosaic manner that is by offering her a glass of tea when suddenly springing up she threw her arms around my neck and i felt her moist fiery lips pressed upon mine darkness came before my eyes my head began to swim i embraced her with the whole strength of youthful passion but like a snake she glided from between my arms whispering in my ear as she did so to-night when every one is asleep go out to the shore like an arrow she sprang from the room in the hall she upset the teapot and a candle which was standing on the floor little devil cried the cossack who had taken up his position on the straw and had contemplated warming himself with the remains of the tea it was only then that i recovered my senses in about two hours time when all had grown silent in the harbour i awakened my cossack if i fire a pistol i said run to the shore he stared open-eyed and answered mechanically very well sir i stuffed a pistol in my belt and went out she was waiting for me at the edge of the cliff her attire was more than light and a small kerchief girded her supple waist follow me she said taking me by the hand and we began to descend i cannot understand how it was that i did not break my neck down below we turned to the right and proceeded to take the path along which i had followed the blind boy the evening before the moon had not yet risen and only two little stars like two guardian lighthouses were twinkling in the dark blue vault of heaven the heavy waves with measured and even motion rolled one after the other scarcely lifting the solitary boat which was moored to the shore let us get into the boat said my companion i hesitated i am no lover of sentimental trips on the sea 
but this was not the time to draw back she leaped into the boat and i after her and i had not time to recover my wits before i observed that we were adrift what is the meaning of this i said angrily it means she answered seating me on the bench and throwing her arms around my waist it means that i love you her cheek was pressed close to mine and i felt her burning breath upon my face suddenly something fell noisily into the water i clutched at my belt my pistol was gone ah now a terrible suspicion crept into my soul and the blood rushed to my head i looked round we were about fifty fathoms from the shore and i could not swim a stroke i tried to thrust her away from me but she clung like a cat to my clothes and suddenly a violent wrench all but threw me into the sea the boat rocked but i righted myself and a desperate struggle began fury lent me strength but i soon found that i was no match for my opponent in point of agility what do you want i cried firmly squeezing her little hands her fingers crunched but her serpent-like nature bore up against the torture and she did not utter a cry you saw us she answered you will tell on us and with a supernatural effort she flung me on to the side of the boat we both hung half overboard her hair touched the water the decisive moment had come i planted my knee against the bottom of the boat caught her by the tresses with one hand and by the throat with the other she let go my clothes and in an instant i had thrown her into the waves it was now rather dark once or twice her head appeared for an instant amidst the sea-foam and i saw no more of her i found the half of an old oar at the bottom of the boat and somehow or other after lengthy efforts i made fast to the harbour making my way along the shore towards my hut i involuntarily gazed in the direction of the spot where on the previous night the blind boy had awaited the nocturnal mariner the moon was already rolling through the sky and it seemed to me that somebody in white was sitting on the shore spurred by curiosity i crept up and crouched down in the grass on the top of the cliff by thrusting my head out a little way i was able to get a good view of everything that was happening down below and i was not very much astonished but almost rejoiced when i recognized my water-nymph she was wringing the sea-foam from her long hair her wet garment outlined her supple figure and her high bosom soon a boat appeared in the distance it drew near rapidly and as on the night before a man in a tartar cap stepped out of it but he now had his hair cropped round in the cossack fashion and a large knife was sticking out behind his leather belt yanko the girl said all is lost then their conversation continued but so softly that i could not catch a word of it but where is the blind boy said yanko at last raising his voice i have told him to come was the reply after a few minutes the blind boy appeared dragging on his back a sack which they placed in the boat listen said yanko to the blind boy guard that place you know where i mean there are valuable goods there tell i could not catch the name that i am no longer his servant things have gone badly he will see me no more it is dangerous now i will go seek work in another place and he will never be able to find another daredevil like me tell him also that if he had paid me a little better for my labours i would not have forsaken him for me there is a way anywhere if only the wind blows and the sea roars after a short silence yanko continued she is coming with me it is impossible for her to remain here tell the old woman that it is time for her to die 
she has been here a long time and the line must be drawn somewhere as for us she will never see us any more and i said the blind boy in a plaintive voice what use have i for you was the answer in the meantime my undine had sprung into the boat she beckoned to her companion with her hand he placed something in the blind boy's hand and added there buy yourself some gingerbreads is this all said the blind boy well here is some more the money fell and jingled as it struck the rock the blind boy did not pick it up yanko took his seat in the boat the wind was blowing from the shore they hoisted the little sail and sped rapidly away for a long time the white sail gleamed in the moonlight amid the dark waves still the blind boy remained seated upon the shore and then i heard something which sounded like sobbing the blind boy was in fact weeping and for a long long time his tears flowed i grew heavy-hearted for what reason should fate have thrown me into the peaceful circle of honourable smugglers like a stone cast into a smooth well i had disturbed their quietude and i barely escaped going to the bottom like a stone i returned home in the hall the burnt-out candle was spluttering on a wooden platter and my cossack contrary to orders was fast asleep with his gun held in both hands i left him at rest took the candle and entered the hut alas my cash-box my sabre with the silver chasing my dagestan dagger the gift of a friend all had vanished it was then that i guessed what articles the cursed blind boy had been dragging along roughly shaking the cossack i woke him up rated him and lost my temper but what was the good of that and would it not have been ridiculous to complain to the authorities that i had been robbed by a blind boy and all but drowned by an eighteen-year-old girl thank heaven an opportunity of getting away presented itself in the morning and i left taman what became of the old woman and the poor blind boy i know not and besides what are the joys and sorrows of mankind to me me a travelling officer and one moreover with an order for post-horses on government business end of book three recording by expatriate in bangor maine